the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Wednesday, the 17th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh-oh. There's that song again. What are we celebrating this morning, you must ask? When you wake up and turn on Always Right Radio with Bob France, and you hear Cool in the Gang, you know something great has happened. And indeed, last night, something outstanding happened for our country. Up in Wyoming, reverberating across the country, a repudiation of Trump derangement syndrome. Let's all celebrate and have a good time. 
that exists within the Republican Party. Oh, they were having a good time last night. Particularly in Harriet Hageman's camp. They were having a good time there. Trump supporters, MAGA Americans, ultra MAGA Americans, patriots, constitutionalists, believers in the rule of law, opponents of political targeting by federal agencies like the FBI. Bogus committees selected to prosecute, not to investigate, but to prosecute a former president without giving him due process, without allowing for defense attorneys, or just defenders on the committee. Cross-examinations, investigations, and examination of evidence. Anybody who opposes that is celebrating this morning. There is a cancer within the GOP. There is a political cancer. And last night... There was a surgical removal of the largest tumor of the rhino cancer that does indeed continue to ravage the GOP. Celebrate that the largest tumor was removed. Celebrate that so-called Republican, so-called conservative, so-called patriot so-called Honorable Representative Elizabeth Cheney, one of ten House Republicans who voted to impeach the former president without due process, the co-chair of the Unselect Committee on January 6th, The woman who reviles President Trump and thus is willing to sell out the law and the Constitution in order to attack him. The lead attack dog, the worst rhino in a party of rhinos, is now gone and done. Celebrate indeed the fact that, yes, Elizabeth Cheney is done in the United States Congress. What an enormous victory, and it deserves a can you dig it as well. Dig it. Harriet Hageman, who is the Trump endorsed candidate in that Wyoming primary, she had roughly a 20 point lead for virtually the entire summer, really going back to the spring when the entire select committee took off. But she had around a 20 point lead most of the way through. And if you didn't think that would quite hold up, you kind of figured at least enough of a margin would hold up to knock Liz Cheney out of Congress. But it didn't just hold up. The 20-point lead did not hold up.
It doubled. Liz Cheney lost that race by over 40 points. 40, 40, count them, 38, 39, 40. Simply astounding. What a message that was sent, that we have had enough of this type of rhino politics. We have had enough of the personal vendettas. She is a representative, and she is an old... Um, how do we want to? What do we want to refer to as? She is an old vestige of of the Bush Cheney years. Uh, everybody knows that the Bush dynasty simply abhors Donald Trump. They are just livid with what he did uh, to to Jeb Bush when Jeb was supposed to take his turn in the Oval Office after Bush forty one and Bush forty three, and Trump came in and just devastated Jeb Bush and tore down the Bush dynasty in the process. Now, I am not going to sit here and just play, you know, the same game and and uh uh you know, continue to uh, condemn and criticize everything that was done by George Bush 41. I think George Bush 41 did some terrific things. I think George Bush 43 did some good things. I think his heart was in the right place a lot of the time, not all of the time, but a lot of the time. I think he tried to do what was right in a number of ways. I thought his leadership after 9-11 was terrific. But the bottom line is, the Bush dynasty, and more specifically, the Bush-Cheney presidency, was just decimated by Donald J. Trump when he took them down by way of taking down Jeb Bush. And the long knives have been out from that dynasty, including Bush's vice president, and now her daughter, Liz Cheney. This is personal politics run amok. And they used the Republican Party um, to destroy him. And that's exactly what continues to happen. Now, as we play Cool in the Gang and we do some celebration and have fun, uh, let's recognize it's not like she has to leave her congressional office today. She still gets to serve the remainder of this term and the remainder of this Congress. And yes, she's going to use the rest of August and all of September, and all of October, and even into November, to hold more ridiculous televised kabuki theater called the January 6th Select Committee Investigation. They're going to put more uh, made-for-TV productions together to try to destroy Donald Trump in any and every way that a man can be destroyed. Something they've been trying to do for seven years, and, and, and have had some limited success, by the way, taking some bites out of him, but they never got him because they never found any evidence that anything that he did was criminal. They tried it with the first impeachment. They tried it with the second impeachment. They tried it with the uh, Steele dossier. They tried it with the FISA court. They tried it with the uh, with the uh, phony Russian collusion hoax. And now they're trying it with the January 6th Select Committee. They have tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. And that's the good news because they are destined to fail again. But... Again, some bites can be taken out, and she'll spend the next three months trying to do everything she can again. She actually tried to compare herself last night as she conceded her loss. She actually tried to compare herself to Abraham Lincoln, stating that the most important work that she has ever done is still to come. And what is that most important work? Is it? Is it? Working for the American people? Is it working for the people of Wyoming in the time that she has left? No. It's to keep Donald Trump away from the Oval Office by any means necessary. And she means, like far leftist extremists do, any means necessary. 
They don't say these things and then not follow up on them. We have seen it time and time again. This is her goal. And she literally had the, <laughs> had the chutzpah to compare herself to Abraham Lincoln. And we're going to share some of that with you uh, coming up. But um, she's she can do a little bit of damage. So can that select committee over the course of the next three months with this uh, Kabuki theater? But and, and it has to be recognized. But what does need to be celebrated, what does need to be known, is that if we can just hold steady, hold fast, over the course of the next three months, um, hopefully not allowing her to do too much damage to her party, which is poised to take over the Ohio or the uh, United States House, and possibly, hopefully, maybe, the United States Senate. If we can hold fast and make sure she doesn't too much damage there, we can celebrate the fact that one of the biggest tumors, maybe the largest tumors uh, of the cancer that infects the, the GOP, and I'm talking about rhinos, I'm talking about Republicans in name only, Republicans who enjoy the brand, but then govern like Democrats, that make decisions and act like Democrats. That is a cancer within the GOP. It's a cancer within conservatism. And the fact that it was excised last night, that large tumor, is a great, great thing. So we're going to celebrate that uh, today, among other things. We're going to talk about what the impact is here in the United States. We are going to talk about whether or not um, she can play a spoiler role, actually also in addition to the midterm elections, as we're talking about, if she could play a spoiler role in the 2024 elections as Donald Trump runs for re-election or second-time election. Uh, we all know that he's going to. We all know that he uh, is going to win the primary. Whether you support Ron DeSantis or not, you have to read the tea leaves and understand it. And I do support Ron DeSantis. I will also support Donald Trump if he's our nominee in a huge, huge way. Or huge, huge way, if you will. Um, but she knows that he is the overwhelming favorite to win. Uh, the primary and become the GOP nominee, and so she's going to try to be the spoiler there and run for president herself, just so that she can be on every debate stage, just so that she can run commercials, continuing to chew Donald Trump up and help a Democrat defeat him. Her belief, and this is how you know what I say about the cancer within the party is true, her belief is that the worst thing for this country would be Donald Trump back in the Oval Office. She believes that it would destroy democracy and it would destroy you know, everything good about this country. That is how much she hates and reviles Donald Trump. So in her twisted rhino mind, the country would be in better hands if it was run by Joe Biden again, or by Kamala Harris, or by little Mayor Pete Buttigieg, or by Gavin Newsom. Or one of the other lunatic leftists who would be the nominee for the Democrats. She would campaign actively by running against Trump in the primary for the GOP. She would be campaigning actively for the Democratic nominee. And that's how you know that she had to go. That's the reality of the situation. She had to get got and get got she did. Congratulations to Harriet Hageman, the winner, the Trump-backed winner of that Wyoming primary. And as Liz Cheney herself said last night, now the real work begins. And it does. The real work involves undoing the damage she has done and that she can do over the next three months and making sure that the rest of the rhinos who are running uh, this party into the ground are also booted. 
These primaries that have been going on all summer, Trump-backed candidates have been winning over and over and over again. God. Correct that. Play that; it makes sense. Liz, I, uh, I, I, you know, I hope I'm not overstating it. I, I feel like probably most of the people within the sound of my voice right now agree with me that this is a celebratory moment. This is why the cool in the gang was appropriate. So is hit the road, Jack. I mean, honestly, this is a big deal. She has been as Democrat extremist as any Democrat. Has ever been, or at least in, in in the last ten years, she has been as or more extreme than Liz Warren, Kamala Harris, socialist, socialist AOC, socialist Bernie Sanders. She has been as extreme left as any of them, and she still had that R after her name. So it's extraordinarily important, in my estimation, it's extraordinarily important that we understand how big it is that the people of Wyoming rose up, and by such an overwhelming amount, too, overwhelming amount, uh, ran her out. Uh, that is uh, that is a terrific thing for the uh, for the American people and for the people of Wyoming. All right, as promised, let's go ahead and do our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please rise. Sorry about the delay in this, but we had a little fun in the first segment. Uh, if you would rise and face your flag, if you have one, if you're driving, you do not have to rise, and you don't have to face a flag unless you really went over and above, as some people have, and taped a picture of the flag to their dashboard, which I absolutely love. The first person who thought of that told me they actually took a U.S. postage stamp with the flag on it and stuck the stamp uh, to the radio or to the uh, uh, dash because they're always in the car whenever we do the pledge, and they want to make sure they're facing one as they put their, their hand on their heart and say this pledge. That's wonderful. So uh, regardless of how you're doing it, uh, go ahead and uh, let's do this pledge together. If you are a Liz Cheney supporter, if you believe she is Abraham Lincoln, if you believe that the uh, Biden signing yesterday of the um, Inflation Production Act is going to actually help Americans, you don't have any earthly idea what this flag is anyway. So you're exempted from the request to pledge allegiance to it. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback instead. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, if you can uh, uh, stomach this after saying the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, this is the clip I was referring to from her concession speech last night. Try not to drive off the road. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. (laughs) Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, Lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from this earth. As we meet here tonight, that remains our greatest and most important task. Allow me to channel Lloyd Benson for just a moment, if I may. 
Congresswoman Cheney, I knew Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a friend of mine. Miss Cheney, you are no Abraham Lincoln. That's my Lloyd Benson for the day. For her to compare Abraham Lincoln to herself and the task before her that he lost races before winning the biggest race of all, that she is going to be poised to do the same thing, that she is going to somehow rise from the ashes of these defeats at the lower levels and win the greatest uh, of offices, uh, and then to lead the country out of the ashes is comical. It is comical. It is, quite frankly, a little bit embarrassing. If she had any shame or pride, she would be embarrassed by that. But she doesn't. So she actually thinks this was a good good speech last night and thinks this was a good move. Um, let's let her know what we think about it. No, she can't hear us right now. But I do want your reactions. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always right, Radio AM 1420, The Answer. Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Well, again, I have not had an opportunity to even see or hear what she had to say because I've been kind of focused on what's going on here. It doesn't surprise me that she would revert to those same old talking points because that's really in large part what what got her defeated. She's not focusing on Wyoming. She's not focusing on our issues. She's still focusing on an obsession about President Trump. And the citizens of Wyoming, the voters of Wyoming, sent a very loud message tonight. We have spoken, and that is not what we are interested in in terms of our lone congressional representative. Wyoming is entitled to have a representative that represents our interests, that listens to us, that addresses our issues. That isn't Liz Cheney, and the fact that that's where she went back to with her speech tonight, I think demonstrates that she really isn't listening to Wyoming now. She hasn't for quite some time, and that's why we needed to replace her. We need to have a representative in Wyoming who listens to us. That's the victorious Harriet Hageman, the uh, victor in the uh, race against Liz Cheney. She is the Trump-backed uh, uh, candidate, or was the Trump back candidate? And obviously, that was a huge, huge statement of the win. My question to you is Am I or are we overstating the significance of this victory? I don't think I am, and I don't think we are. I think it may feel that way because it was expected, because the, the, the margin in the polling in the last several months was 20 points or higher. And the fact that you won by 40 is really astounding, really. But, um, but I think most people saw the loss coming. Many of us did. And so, therefore, it's like, yeah, come on, let's not over say, overplay it. But I, I really do think she has done everything that she can as the co-chair of the January 6th committee um, to hang Donald Trump proverbially and in the court of public opinion by a yard arm. She has tried everything she could to make the people hate Trump and support the honorable work she is doing in trying to pin the blame for January 6th on him, call him a, uh, you know, an insurrectionist and all the other things that is going to, um, given all the gravity of everything that she has done for the American people to watch it and particularly the Republicans who vote in her in, uh, you know, in, in Wyoming, to watch all of that, to look at the evidence, as and that's in air quotes, look at the evidence, listen to the testimonies and so on and so forth, and to look at that and say, not a chance, get out. We support Trump. It's just a very, very astounding thing, in my view. I don't think it's overstating it, but 
my question for you for our purposes and uh, purposes of this conversation is, is, do you think it is significant? Do you think that President Trump, who, by the way, has also gained 10 points in just hypothetical polling, uh, polling against um, other Republicans who might be in a, in a Republican primary next year, including Ron DeSantis, the uber-popular governor of Florida. But Donald Trump gained 10 points, not only since the January 6th committee, but since the raid on his home. And people are really rallying to the defense of Donald Trump, and I think that says a lot about where we're headed in this country, and I I don't think that the defeat of of Liz Cheney is overstated. But that's me. I'm curious to to see if you think it, you know, does it matter to you? That's Wyoming, right? It's one representative. It's one representative out of 435 in the House. Is it really that big? What about our representatives? What about the races here in Ohio? What about the Senate race with J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan? Sure, those are more personal to us, and those are closer to home and directly impactful of us. But I think virtually every state's elections now are impactful of the entire country. I mean, clearly, if Joe Manchin (laughs) um, is made to pay the price in West Virginia, not that he's up for re-election this year, but if he's made to pay the price for greenlighting the "quote unquote" Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you know, which is Green New Deal, you know, a slimmer version of it, um, you know, that impacts all of us. Okay, Mark is in Cleveland. Thanks for waiting, Mark. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, you know, I, I just found something interesting after the results from last night, um, and wanted to point out. You probably already know this, but in case some of your listeners don't. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, the, the left, everybody knows that the left is trying to stop, do whatever they can to stop the America first agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of the 10 Republicans, quote unquote, Republicans that were in the House that voted to impeach President Trump, out of those 10, four of them decided to, quote unquote, retire. Also, you know, not seek reelection because they knew they were going to lose. Including Anthony Gonzalez here. Including Anthony Gonzalez, and of the of the remaining six, one ran unopposed, didn't have a, a Trump endorsed candidate. The other ones that had a Trump endorsed candidate, the, the remaining five, four out of those five, the Trump endorsed candidate won. And so I think you know, to your point of you know, are we overstating this? I don't think we are. Um, you know, I think they know how big this is. They know that they know that we know how big this is, and they know that uh, the America First agenda is is coming for them metaphorically speaking of course do you think it speaks more of the agenda or of the man i I think it speaks uh to both really um the agenda because a lot of these you know especially like anthony Anthony gonzalez in ohio that that was done prior to this raid but i feel like the bump that we saw last night in wyoming is Mm -hmm. is partially due to what happened last week okay uh, yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. And last week was was pretty doggone um, uh, impactful. I think a lot of people said that was the game changer. I talked to many, many. Jim Jordan said that. I talked to many people in office and outside who say that was a game changer because never before has a political or has a uh, president uh, and an executive office uh, been able and allowed to literally target a political opponent, which Donald Trump clearly is. Um, 
uh, using federal resources, using federal federal agencies the way that he did. So you're right about that. So maybe it is a lot about the man, but I think the movement is just as big here. The fact that they're driving the anti, um, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome sufferers like Liz Cheney out, I think speaks to yes, the man. People are rallying to his defense, but I think we just don't don't want to see this happen to the incredible movement that Donald Trump started, and it needs to be carried on regardless of whether it's by Trump or DeSantis or Tom Cotton or Mike Pompeo or anybody else. Exactly. And I, and I know for myself and I know a lot of other people who are you know, in a similar boat to you where prior to last week, um, I was more in the camp of, you know, love what Trump did, love what he started, but would love to see DeSantis kind of take, you know, uh, take that banner and then run with it and expand on it. But then after last week, I'm like, you know what, I, I hope he just comes back and, and blows the door off him. Yeah, there's a, there's an element to this that does. It makes me just want him to get his revenge, if you will, because it's revenge for all of us. Because we cannot stand to see this kind of thing done to anybody, much less somebody who, you know, while being you know kind of an abrasive personality, no doubt about it, just got things done for the American people uh, that we have all seen undone by Joe Biden, and we need uh, you know we need to give him a chance to to go back to where we were. So, uh, and thank you for the call. Great conversation. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you, uh, Mark. Um, but um, he, he, let me say this. As a follow-up, though, <clears throat> there's there's got to be a point, and maybe there doesn't, but I believe that there's got to be a point where Donald Trump realizes he could generate even more support for himself. He could, he could, he could just run away with everything. Even moderates would love him. If he would just censor himself a little bit, hide just a tiny bit of the, I don't want to say narcissism as if it's a negative thing, because I think all super successful politicians and celebrities and athletes have a degree of narcissism that regular people don't, because if you don't think you're great, you can't achieve at the highest levels. You have to think you're really highly of yourself, so there's an element of narcissism. But President Trump's is different because of the way he expresses it. And I think there is a segment of the population that is looking for a reason to come around to Trump, to root for Trump because of what they're doing to him. I think one thing that almost all Americans probably agree, that America loves an underdog. Don't we love an underdog? I mean, in the movies, you know, I mean, you know, going back to Rocky, you know, the down and out, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, pug from Philly gets a chance at the greatest championship of the world. But the almost in, uh, you know, un, unbeatable, uh, you know, Apollo Creed stands in his way and you're just rooting for Rocky. I mean, you get sit there and lists movies and storylines and even real life stories where we just root for the underdog. Now, again, in other sports metaphors, this is what happened when a whole bunch of college kids got together after practicing for like a month and beat the most feared professional team in the history of hockey back in 1980 when the U.S. Olympic hockey team beat the Russians, the Soviets. I mean, it's just like, wow. I mean, you know, the underdog thing is real. I say that to point out that if President Trump would just allow the targeted abuse that he is enduring to anger the American people, they will rally behind him because he's the underdog. Do you know what I mean? 
when you see what I have described as these January 6th hearings as nine federal prosecutors trying a one man on countless charges with zero defense attorneys allowed to intervene and cross-examine witnesses and cross-analyze evidence and present, present contravening narratives. When you see that, when you see an, an, an entire entity of power all coming down on one man and not allowing him to even defend himself, that guy becomes the underdog. That guy becomes the one you're rooting for because, you know what, nobody should have to endure this. Publicly, no less. On television, hiring television producers to create the trial and make it as, 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 as viewable on TV and enjoyable and as appreciative on TV for viewers as possible to make sure they get just as much damage as they can possibly do to this guy. That guy's the underdog. When they, when they raid his home, just two months after they subpoenaed him for documents, and he cooperated and complied with the subpoena and gave them everything they asked for and more. And then they raid his home anyway to, to again, embarrass him, to make him look like a criminal. He becomes the underdog. If he just sits back, closes his mouth a little bit, shows a little bit of humility, I think he becomes the underdog and becomes almost unbeatable. I mean, so powerful, but instead, you know, he went out onto Trump's uh, tr- uh, Truth Social last night, um, where I am as well. Find me there at Always Right WHK, and um, and blasted Cheney, and called her a fool, and called her spiteful, and you know uh, this, you know this rebuke of the unselect committee of political hacks and thugs. Let me call them political hacks and thugs, Mr. President. Let Tucker Carlson call them political hacks and thugs. Let let um, you know Brian Kilmeade and Sean Hannity and Dennis Prager and Sebastian Gorka. Let us call Liz Cheney all the things we want to call Liz Cheney. You sit back and play the role of the underdog who is being unfairly attacked, unjustly prosecuted, and let uh, let the people see you as the victim. And watch how fast they come around to you. We're talking about moderates and those who maybe like him for what he has done but don't like his personality. Show a little bit of a humble personality, one of humility, one of, you know, can you believe they're doing this to me? Let the rest of us take them down. You just sit there and look innocent, which you are. And uh, and, and like I said, look humble and, and show some humility and watch how people rally behind the underdog. I firmly believe that. But his, uh, you know, his, his comments on Truth Social, Liz Cheney's uninspiring concession speech in front of a very tiny crowd in the great state of Wyoming focused on her belief uh, that the 2020 presidential election was not, despite massive and conclusive evidence to the contrary, rigged and stolen. It was that it was, and that's not even counting the fact that many election changes in numerous states were not approved by state legislatures, an absolute must. Liz Cheney is a fool who played right into the hands of those who want to destroy our country. All of that stuff is true, but don't say it. Let me say it. Let people like me in all 50 states say it. Let people with massive national audiences and microphones and platforms and television cameras say it for you. Make yourself look a lot better in the process. That's my belief. Tell me, if you think I'm off base and you think he's right to just go and do full Trump, then, then that's cool, too. Let me know what you think. 216 
All right, 955, let's get a few more phone calls in before the top of the hour. Remember, we are guest-free until 1110, so if you don't get on this hour, stay there. We'll get you on at the top of the next one. Uh, let's go to Cologero in Lakewood. Cologero on line three, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Oh, happy day, Bob. How are you doing, sir? Good, how are you? I'm fantastic. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, huge day, I. not just for uh, Wyoming, but I think for the country. Go ahead. Not, not my original comment, but I have to say I agree probably 98% with what you said about uh, Trump. At the same time, I have to say people didn't agree with him as much as they did. Liz Cheney would still have a job next year. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's but, true. Uh, regarding her, uh, like you, I almost threw up in my Partially did throw up in my mouth last night uh, when she invoked Abraham Lincoln, and uh, the only thing is, I, I I don't I don't remember Abraham Lincoln losing by almost forty points uh, in his congressional bid. I I also don't remember him running around to Democrats saying, "Please vote for me, so my losses aren't that bad." Uh, before his election for his congressional bid, and then as far as she goes, I just got a Fox News thing this morning that she's starting some new anti-Trump group. Does that mean she's going to be resigning her position on the January 6th committee because well, it's a direct she, conflict you, you, of you interest? Know, yeah, but you know, you know what she will do with that super PAC that she is starting. Uh, she'll, just, she'll just make sure that she does not join it until uh, uh, January when she's out of office. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens with me and you think logically. I yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, uh, but but no, you're right. And by the way, you obviously just haven't been reading the right history books there, of course. You know, uh, of course, you, of course. When, yeah. you, when you get the history books as they're being rewritten right now by liberals and people like Liz Cheney, I'm sure uh, later on you will find out that uh, Abraham Lincoln did all of those things. Of, of course. Hey, have a good rest of your morning, Bob. Enjoy. Thank you, Colojero. Appreciate the call. Let's go to uh, Bob in uh, Medina next. Hi, Bob. Go ahead, sir. Uh, let me get you off speakerphone. Yes, sir. Thank you yeah. for that. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, you, know, you mentioned Donald Trump, and, uh, you know, that's a whole different subject, but I totally agree with you. You know, he's his own worst enemy. I mean, even now, you know. He, but anyways, Liz Cheney, a um, couple weeks ago, and, and here's the deal. We need more, and, and I'm not trying to blow smoke at you, Bob. But we need more Bob Francis up there when giving interviews. That's why a lot of people, a lot, a lot of these politicians and all that won't take your interviews because you have the tough questions. Case in point, a few weeks ago, Liz Cheney was being interviewed by Brett Baer. You know, and she's pretty, um, how should I say, intimidating, you know, politically speaking and, you know, stands her ground and, uh, she really handed Brett, I mean, his lunch, you know. He, he had no follow-up questions, no nothing other than she mocked him for saying, oh, you don't think this is a big deal, da-da-da-da-da. And Brett, and he goes, you you know, and Fox is like that. And Brett was like, you know, so defensive. Oh, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, instead of just popping her, you know, with the, you know, counterpunching these people, because that's what they need. They need to be counterpunched and they need to be knocked out. That, and that's from the uh, words of our of the late, great Rush Limbaugh. They're no friend. There's no compromise with these people. You nope. can't, you know. And, but Listen, I, I agree say, with you, Bob. Bob, I agree with you 100%. And, and thank you for the phone call. I really do. And, and, and I take great pride in the way I interview people, particularly people like that who are adversarial. I do. But I also can tell you the reason why other people don't. 
because they get them back. And if you're Brett Baer, you want to get these people back for ratings. You want them back again and again and again, and so they won't challenge them. I'll challenge somebody knowing sometimes they'll never come back because they don't want to answer those follow-up questions again. And that's the big difference. Thanks so much for the call. Great conversation in the first hour. Let's duplicate it and improve upon it in the second hour. Coming up. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock. Hour number two is underway on this Wednesday edition of Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer, good morning. 17th morning of the eighth month, year of our Lord, 2022. It's a good day for the Republican Party. It's a good day for the Americans, uh, the uh, uh, United States. The, let me redo that. For the people of the United States of America. Uh, and it's a good day for Trump supporters because Liz Cheney, the failed, spectacularly failed primary candidate to hold on to her own seat uh, in the state of Wyoming is now done. She is out of Congress. She will be there for the remainder of this term, obviously, the next three months. Uh, but she is done. She can wreak no more havoc. Unless, of course, she decides to run for president in 2024, not with a snowball's chance in hell of winning, uh, but to be a spoiler and a thorn in the side of President Trump, the only other thing, the only other damage she can do. So that's a good thing. What I want to know as I kind of talked about off the cuff last half hour, is if you think President Trump is playing this right, he wants to be president again. This is not in dispute. This is very, very, very obvious to everyone. It was obvious to me over a year ago when I interviewed him when he came to Wellington. When I interviewed President Trump last June, not two months ago, but last June in 2021, um, I asked him about this, of course, and he said, well, we're not going to be making any announcements about that you know, anytime soon, but I think you'll be very, very happy. Now, what does he think that means? Of course that means he thinks I'll be very, very happy because he's going to run again, that I and others who supported him as president, supported him in his, uh, in, uh, uh, his run against Hillary Clinton and then against uh, Joe Biden, that will be very, very happy. So that means I'm running again without saying I'm running again. And, of course, in the last year, last 12, now 14 months since then, it's only become more and more obvious. He wants to be president again. That means he has to win the primary. And there's going to be a lot of stiff challengers, by the way, in that primary if Ron DeSantis runs, if Christy Nome runs, if Tom Cotton runs, if um, uh, Mike Pompeo runs, uh, if Tim Scott runs. There are a lot of super strong conservative Republicans who could really carry Trump's America First banner into 2024 and lead us back to the, the, the wonderful, glorious things that, uh, that we had when he was president. And if he wants to win, he's going to have to find a way to appeal to more, in my opinion, than just the MAGA base, than just the red hat wearers and the ones who are, uh, you know, it's in their bio, ultra MAGA, uh, playing off of Biden, who tried to use that as an insult. You know, these ultra MAGA people, people who are make America great again supporters are like, that's me. I'm ultra make America great again. I'm down with that. What are you trying to, you think you're insulting me? That's a great thing. 
But it's going to take more than that. It, he's going to have to pull in con, uh, Republicans who maybe have veered away from him. He's going to have to pull in Republicans who have never been for him, who have been the Jeb supporters, or have been uh, you know supporters of Marco Rubio or anybody else. You know, the last time around, who maybe didn't go to vote at all in 2020 because of the uh, calamity that was going on um, with respect to COVID and and other things. He's going to have to pull. Some people in, I think, who won't, would, aren't necessarily wearing the red hats and, and, and chanting MAGA. So, to my point that I just kind of did off the cuff, I want to know if you agree with me about the underdog status. How many people saw Rudy? You know, the story of Rudy Rudiger, Daniel Rudiger, the uh, little five foot eight, uh, you know, 140 pound nothing who uh, tried to play football for Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, and, and you probably know the whole story. He was too small to play. He was never going to be on scholarship, but he kept trying. He basically was a tackling dummy for four years. And uh, they finally put him in the game, his very last game of his senior year, and he made a tackle. And it was a, just a glorious moment for movies. Glorious moment for him in his real life. It's a true story. But in the movies, it's just another example of the underdog. We love the underdog. In America, it is just the classic story. The person who pulls themselves up by their bootstraps against all odds and competes and wins and does or, or competes uh, and doesn't win but, but has a moral victory, has an inspiring performance, whether it be in the field of ac- athletics or anything else. We love underdogs. I think what they're doing to Donald Trump right now makes him the ultimate underdog. I think what they have done to him for seven years makes him the ultimate underdog. I think when they lied to get a FISA court to issue a surveillance warrant using a phony, foreign-produced dossier just to spy on the Trump campaign, and then after he beat Hillary Clinton to spy on his presidency... That made him the underdog. No one has ever been treated like that in the history of American politics. As he began his, his term in office, the unprecedented obstruction, the impeachments, the, the Mueller investigation, everything that has gone, the theft of the election in 2020, the January 6th Insurrection Committee, I mean, and now what they're doing, he is the ultimate underdog. If he would just let himself be the underdog, I think he would be unbeatable. Let yourself be the underdog instead of the giant. Instead of bullying Liz Cheney after her loss, which I'm doing, I'll bully her. And everybody who cares about this country should bully her for what she is doing to you, Mr. President. And for what she's doing to the people and what she's doing to this country with this divisive and ridiculous overplayed uh, uh, show trial that is the January 6th Select Committee. <clears throat> Instead of bullying Liz Cheney, be the underdog. Imagine how much more support Donald Trump would get every time something like this happens. And instead of a statement uh, pounding and hammering her for being the loser and the fool that she is and blah, 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 he said, I'm glad the people of Wyoming spoke. I'm glad the people of Wyoming saw the uh, the wonderful potential in Harriet Hageman, who I endorsed, uh, and I wish Liz Cheney well in her retirement. Can you imagine that? If that was the statement made by Donald Trump? 
if every time one of his relentless critics and attackers comes after him, if he responded in a way that allows him to be what he truly is, a victim, imagine how many people would rally behind that underdog. I swear to you, if he kept the same policies that made this country, you know, gave it historic gains during his four years, same policy, but with a temperament that says, when these people attack me, you know that whole phrase about, they're, you know, they're not after me, they're after you, I just happen to be in the way. That's a great line right there. They're attacking me. I'm martyring myself for you. I'm sacrificing myself by being in between them and you. That's the underdog line. That's the, 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 the message. They're coming after me and doing this to me, and I will endure all of it because I'm trying to protect you. That kind of thing gives me goosebumps. When he said that, that gives me goosebumps because he's the underdog who's protecting all of us. He's willing to sacrifice himself. He's willing to take the hits just to protect the Constitution and all of us. That's what I'm talking about. I'll give you another example. About a month ago, eh, two, three weeks ago, whatever, uh, MSNBC had one of their hateful uh, uh, racists on uh, on uh, uh, the Georgia race, the uh, race between Raphael Warnock, the senator, and Herschel Walker. And this is a black guy, stone-cold racist, absolutely hates white people and hates black people who don't act like him. Uh, and he called Herschel Walker... Uh, the n-word but not that one the other one i don't even, well the one that is contained in the phrase and i guess i'm allowed to say this the one that is contained in united negro college fund i don't even know if we're allowed to say that word outside of calling you know describing the united negro college fund and that's what he called him and he said basically that um that's how the 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 republicans and that's how white republicans like their that word um, you know, they don't think for themselves, and they do what they're told. Basically, essentially calling Herschel Walker, um, you know, a, 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 you know, a toady for the white Republican conservative establishment. Uh, that he's not a free thinker. If he was a free thinker, he'd think like he does. Which is the irony of that. Of course, is he's saying, how come he's not thinking like other black people? He should think just like us. How dare he think for himself? That means he's not a free thinker. Anyway, it was very insulting, and I'm giving it. I'm being much more generous to it than he was than the, the uh, commentator was. But it was very insulting when he called him that N-word and so forth. And Herschel Walker, did he respond in kind? No, Herschel Walker's response was, yes, I heard that, and I'm going to keep him in my prayers. He is very, very lost and needs prayers. Oh, my gosh. I, like, kind of melted. I was like, I love you, Herschel. You, you take an enemy like that who's being as vicious and, and vitriolic and, and hateful as, as, as this guy was, and you say, I'm going to pray for him while I continue to do what I believe is right for me, for my party, for my people of my state of Georgia, and for the people of the United States of America. Please vote for Herschel Walker 2022. That, that, that's just phenomenal. You let the bully be the bully and be embarrassed for trying to harm such an honorable, peaceful man. That could be Donald Trump. With everything Liz Cheney is doing to him and everybody else, that could be Donald Trump. And America would rally behind that underdog. That's my thought. Or do you like Donald Trump coming out there with both the guns blazing at all times? That's the question. Sally is in Bria next. Hi, Sally. Thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I do agree with you. I think Trump would be better served with less focus on bullying and personalities and more focus on just what he wants to do, and all the unconstitutional 
uh, tactics that have been occurring, not only to him in the raid on his home, but the homes of other Trump supporters seizing their cell phones and using strong-arm tactics with them when it wasn't necessary, and the lack of due process with different court cases or hearings, or trying to say that people are traitors because they want to question the results of an election when other elections have been scrutinized ongoing. And that was okay, but now, because of Trump derangement syndrome, it's not. People are, are um, pilloried because of that. So I think he's, he'd be better off on just focusing on the issues. You know, uh, Sally, I think you said that very well, uh, and I completely concur. And thank you so much for the phone call. <clears throat> the difficulty here, if you're President Trump, is you know, the old adage about a, you know, uh, uh, a leopard can't change its spots kind of a thing is that Donald Trump has been that, I don't want to say it in a negative way, I don't want to say that bully, uh, because there's bullying, which is a horrific way, and then there's bullying, which is me, I'm a strong man, I'm an alpha, I'm not a beta, I'm going to tell you the way it is, and whether you like it or not, boom. That's been his entire MO for his entire life, and it has made him a billionaire many times over in the world of real estate and uh, uh, in, in the world of uh, entertainment and so forth. So he, you know, he really only knows one way to be. And as it pertains to the presidency, remember, he was a giant bully, again, in, a, in, in the right way, I think, um, that won him the election against all odds, against Ted Cruz and against Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, and the whole crew from 2016. So, and he allowed him to beat Hillary Clinton. So it, it, the tactics like that have worked in the past. And so asking him or his handlers to tell him to change that now probably is going to be a big waste of time because it's just not who he is and what he is. But I think the successful man, the successful person, recognizes when when past tactics have been successful, they should be repeated if the past circumstances are repeated as well. But if the circumstances have changed... You have to change your tactics along with them. And the circumstances that have been changed is since he first came down the golden escalator and began to be uh, attacked the way he was, um, he's different now. Now he's the victim of an unprecedented onslaught of accusations and investigations that are not warranted. He truly is a victim right now, and he needs to play that victim card properly. And that is... Wish Liz Cheney well in her retirement rather than calling her a fool and a loser and you got your butt kicked and ha, look what we did. Play it right and pull more people into the tent or under the tent. And I think he would, he would be unbeatable. I really do. But it's hard to ask that, that uh, you know, old dog to learn new tricks. Tanya's in Akron. Hi, Tanya. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Hey, Tanya. I, think that I hear. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Okay. So I think that you're right. He needs to change some of his conversation, but I think that is is a dog he can't use. We're trying to teach an old dog, but I think the old dog by dogs around him. When he first ran, Tanya, repeat that. Tanya, hey, Tanya, your phone glitched. I heard you say about old okay. dogs, and then it cut out on me. Finish that line. I think that you have to cheat. We're at a point where he's an old dog trying to teach him new tricks. But he's an old dog that has trust issues. A lot of people out here that are not on the Trump bandwagon were not on the Trump bandwagon. And they got on the Trump bandwagon, not because of his personality, because of his 
but because of the the uh, because of how he was able to deliver and execute. I believe that we need someone like another Rush that was always on his bandwagon. I think Greg Bentford would be great because we need to bring humor. No one thinks of Republicans as being funny and 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 being able to be sarcastic and everything. We need to be that, and we need you and everyone else to just be dogmatic. Beat them up when you need to beat them up, but be the cheerleader when you need to be the cheerleader. And Republicans, as a black American, y'all ain't got it. And we need we need that because when you sit down and really talk to someone after you stop mentioning Trump's name, they agree at 100%. But the minute you bring up Trump's name, they want to bring up everything they have heard on MSNBC or all the other trashy think news reporters because they get away with talking about them. And we are, and we listen to Fox and they're all nice and polite and don't kick back. We have to start doing it too. We that have to go out there and good, defend them. That is a very good point about, you know, Trump, you know, Trump's words. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've seen a lot of these man on the street type of interviews where reporters will go out there and say, you know, what do you think of this? And then they'll repeat something that's a tremendous idea that's great for America. And they say, I like that. And then they say, do you know who said it? And they say, no, and say Donald Trump. And they're like, oh, I don't like it anymore. Uh, and likewise, they'll repeat a bunch of Joe Biden's racist statements and say, what do you think of uh, this statement right here uh, that President Trump made? And they would listen to it and say, I know he's a stone-cold racist. And then the reporter says, you know, it was actually Joe Biden who said that. And, oh, and then they walk away. They don't want to be interviewed anymore. So it's true. And thank you, Tanya, for the call. It is true. Um, we we do have to be careful and bludgeon them when they need to be bludgeoned over everything they do, and hopefully let Donald Trump not have to be the bad guy, not let him let him have to be the heavy. As I said before, and I'll say it again, President Trump, play the victim in this case, because it's not a role you have to study for. You truly are being victimized. You are. Let us fight back for you. Let us drop the hammer. Let us do it on TV. Let us do it on the radio. Let us do it online. Let us do it in the op-eds. Let's let everybody else hammer the Democrats for their disgusting, deceptive, uh, duplicitous uh, treatment of you and, uh, and of the rest of us while you sit back and be what you truly are, and that is the victim. There will be a time for you to stand up for yourself, but you do it in the right way, and I think you can't be beaten. 1026, right back, Always Right Radio. Sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. Always right indeed. 1037 now, AM 1420, the answer. Appreciate you being with us. Jack Windsor, the uh, founder of the Ohio Press Network, will be with us coming up at 1110. He's our new regular Wednesday correspondent. Uh, Jack is going to talk to us about a number of things, including the uh, now settled. Ohio gubernatorial primary, but not settled in terms of the legal ramifications for one of the challengers. Yeah, there's Blystone news there. Uh, Jack's going to have with us, and also a couple of surveys 
um, with the Department of Education that are going to blow your mind. Um, and I'm going to let Jack tell you those stories coming up at 11.10 this morning. In between now and then, we're wide open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. One thing we have not yet talked about this morning is we talked about the loss of Liz Cheney in uh, Wyoming, how impactful that is going forward for the Republican Party, kind of carving that tumor uh, out of the GOP, which is exactly what she was and is. We talked about President Trump and his response to that and what might be the best way for him to take advantage of the um, removal of his biggest, most staunch Republican critic from Congress. What we haven't talked about yet, though, is the $740 billion Green New Deal slim-down version that they like to call the um, Inflation Reduction Act. Actually, it's a ref- uh, an Inflation Production Act, not reduction. But we haven't talked about it. It was signed yesterday by Joe Brandon. And it is going to be devastating for middle-class Americans. We haven't talked about it yet, but we're going to. I promise you. Right after I talk to this guy. Chris DeRico is on the line. I usually talk to Chris DeRico sometime around late August or early September to talk about the Tunnel to Towers uh, 5K run and walk uh, that is held now in Medina. This is the ninth year for it. But I didn't even talk to Chris DeRico off the air about this. He called in on his own. And Chris... I'm glad to take the call, but I hope I don't have an apology to give here. Did I miss no. a message from you uh, scheduling our, our annual conversation about Tunnel to Towers? Did I miss something? Not at all, not at all, Bob. I, I hope to be part of your 9-11 show like I am every year. You're so gracious to have me on. I just wanted to give you a call a little bit early this year just to give you a, you know, a 30-second, one-minute reminder for your listening audience who I know is, is very much supportive of Tunnel to Towers. Okay, good. Um, I just wanted to make sure I, because yeah. I would never want to intentionally blow off or miss a message from you, because certainly you're right. I Every time we, every year we talk about this, uh, both on the air and then off the air in advance, and I wanted to make sure. So I'm glad you called in with an impromptu uh, reminder of everyone. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and let us well, know what we need to know, Chris. Well, you know, I was dusting off the treadmill this this uh, this morning thinking, okay, I could get ready for my walk run. That, that happens on September 11th this year. And uh, we do it on a Sunday every year. This year, it actually falls on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to remind your audience, Medina is the Ohio or Northeast Ohio uh, spot for the Tunnel to Towers Run Walk, which takes place every year. Medina is actually one of the cities that brought it outside of New York City, one of the first cities to bring it outside of New York as a satellite. So if you want to, if you want to physically and personally support Tunnel to Towers, besides giving nine, uh, besides giving eleven dollars a month, which you can do. Um, you can also come and, and walk with us and uh, run with us. It, it replicates Stephen Siller's um, fateful run that he did on 9-11. He ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel and then ran another mile and then died in the towers that day. So you and I will get into that more closer to 9-11. But, uh, you know, tunneltotowers.org, I'm sorry, tunnel with the number two, towersmedina.org. Something special on that website is Remembering Ohio's Heroes, Shows you all of the uh, all of the first responders that Tunnel to Towers has supported over the years, and uh, the money stays here in Ohio, and um, as well as taking care of uh, you know uh, catastrophically injured veterans coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan, we're still taking care of them too. Yeah, such a, such a worthy and important organization and charity. Um, of course, I talked and you helped me set up the conversation with Frank Siller, uh, Stephen Siller's brother, when he did his fifty. How, how I forget now how far he walked. Um, uh, yeah, he 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 walked. He started at the Pentagon 
and then went to Shanksville, and from Shanksville went to New York City and to finished ground at Ground Zero. Zero. That's what I, I just don't remember what yeah. the mileage was, but I remember it was incredible when I was talking to him because I think he was walking some fifteen or twenty miles per day uh, on that long journey, and uh, it's simply inspiring. Uh, as is the entire event that you host each year, like you said, the Northeast Ohio slash Northern Ohio version or or uh, spot for this is in Medina. The information for this year's walk, as uh, Chris just said, is at Tunnel Two. That's Tunnel the number two Towers Medina dot org. Tunnel Two Towers Medina dot org. A lot of great information there about how, about how you can be a part. I'd ask you to come over um, and uh, and get the dust off of my treadmill too, but um, <laughs> you, you probably don't have your snow shovel handy. That, yeah, we that, that's what you would need. It comes up on your quick every September, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Chris, I got to tell you, uh, I, I really, really appreciate what you do and what the entire organization does with Tunnel to Towers in Medina, and obviously the uh, you know the the national organization there in New York. Keep up the great work. Uh, always appreciate the uh, chance to talk to you. We will talk in more depth and talk about Stephen's story as we get closer to 9-11. And then, of course, uh, we hope to get as many people out there running and or walking on September 11th, Sunday, September 11th in Medina. So we look forward to that. Most certainly we'll talk to you then. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Chris. God bless. Thanks for the call. Uh, that's a good reminder. I saw Chris DeRico and I said, wait a minute, hold on a second. I hope he didn't think I blew him off and he just said, I got to call this guy myself because he's not. He usually texts me or emails me every year as we get around this time and we talk about his appearance on the program to promote this. But today he just wanted to come in impromptu and I'm glad he did. So I'm looking at the page right now and also that um, Ohio Heroes page or, or link to, uh, that's on the homepage as well. It's really, really uh, an inspirational thing. So check it out at tunnel 2 Towers Medina. Dot org tunnel with the number two. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I always put the things that we do on the show on the webpage so you can find it more easily. I'll link it to alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us, and that way it's uh, uh, it'll be a lot easier for you to find. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let me get one more call in on President Trump and his situation from Chuck in Cleveland before I talk about the uh, Inflation Production Act in a moment here. Uh, hey Chuck, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hi Bob. Uh- I got pretty much only one thing to say. Okay. Trump is not in office, and he's still draining the swamp. <laughs> That's well said. And Liz Cheney is a member of that swamp or a part of that swamp, and now she's going down the drain. Good job, Chuck. Thank you. That's well done. Yeah. He's not even in office, but his his presence led to that particular portion of the swamp going down the drain. Well done. Appreciate that, Chuck. Let me dive into this now, as I promised, because I, I feel like this is as important as anything else. Brandon yesterday signed with great fanfare and huge uh, you know, uh, applause from the American left that just simply despises the American middle class. And they despise uh, capitalism. They want full-on socialism. They want full-on uh, tax increases, government growing to exponential sizes, including the, the FBI and the IRS, the two most dangerous three-letter organizations in the world. And, yes, that includes KGB and CCP. At least to Americans, they are much more dangerous. So Biden yesterday um, signs this, uh, this Inflation Production Act into law. And the left cheers, and they applaud, and they talk about how this is going to do such a great thing for uh, lowering the costs of energy, prescription drugs, and health care for American families, as they describe it. Well, all of which, of course, is hogwash, uh, as well as combating the climate crisis, bigger and more dense hogwash, 
reduce the deficit and force the largest corporations to pay their, quote, fair share of taxes. More hogwash since America's job creators, which is what the corporations and businesses are, already foot far more than their fair share of taxes. Far more that the top 20% of corporation earners pay uh, some 75% of the taxes. So it is, it is a complete joke. It has nothing to do with fair shares or, or even the climate because it's not going to touch the climate at all. It can't. It can't because we're one country on a planet, a planet of billions of people. And anything that we do having to do with, you know, uh, the war on fossil fuel, the guarantee... On you don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate. It's going to have no effect whatsoever on the climate when the world's biggest polluters are out there still polluting, and that's if you even believe that the carbon emissions impact any of this. And many, many scientists who have been drummed out of the scientific community for not towing the line, the same way the the scientists who say COVID wasn't what they said it was and COVID shots aren't what they said they were, also drummed out of the scientific community, even though they're right, have said that this has nothing to do with anything. This isn't about any of that. It's about growing the size of government. More FBI agents, more IRS agents, more control of your money, taking more money away from corporations, taking more money away from middle-class Americans, shrinking their budgets, all of it, and then sending it, by the way, to places we never, ever approve. Sending it by the billions to Ukraine, sending it by the billions to African nations to, to, to study and, and to, other, and, and to uh, impoverished nations, not to feed people, by the way, but to study leftist, uh, you know, uh, ideologies literally i mean we're talking about goofy things like pakistani um trying to remember the but what was the most uh egregious one that was in the last giant reconciliation package they said pakistani gender studies i think it was pakistani gender studies comes to mind sending your money to places like that for things like that That's all they did here was grow the size of government and then turn the IRS into the most brutal intimidation uh, agency. You know, it's funny. Some people have been calling the FBI, rather than the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. I think it's more accurate. But I think the IRS is going to be more intimidating because they're coming for the American people, for you, for middle-class Americans. They have determined that at least $20 billion will be collected to go back into the federal coffers to be wasted by Democrat spenders, $20 billion from middle-class Americans. That means people making $75,000 a year or less. Or, I'm sorry, I think that, uh, a bigger part, $20 billion would be for people making $200,000 a year or less. But that seven hundred ten million of the 1.2 million new audits conducted every year would be of people making 75 million dollars a year or less now i want to share something with you from charles uh dollars a year or less i hope i said thousand not million i didn't hear myself clearly i want to share something with you from charles w cook because this needs to be responded to 
He wrote a piece headlined, Americans are correct to be instinctively terrified of the IRS. And the argument that he is responding to is the argument that goes like this. All of my GOP friends who are worried about 87,000 IRS enforcement agents coming after the little guy, how about just don't cheat on your tax returns? A fully truthful and accurate tax return is bulletproof in an audit. I don't under, I've never understood the fear of an IRS audit. Don't lie, period. And that is what they try to do to you. They gaslight you into thinking that it's just that simple, that if you didn't do anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. Go through the audit with a smile. And these people have no earthly idea. Actually, the people like this, like Adam Markowitz, who said this, uh, does know. But most people have no earthly idea what an audit is or what it's like. Markowitz says that he has never understood the fear of an IRS audit, given that he is an IRS-enrolled agent. That is, he makes his living representing taxpayers in front of the IRS. This should perhaps not be too, too, too surprising. Oddly enough, my butcher doesn't understand vegetarians either. Nevertheless, I might be able to help Markowitz out a little here, or at least to shed some light on why this particular tweet of his yielded such a cacophony of mockery and indignation, and on why the demon rat party's desire to be associated with IRS audits is a terrible political move. Markowitz suggests that those who are worried about being audited by the IRS should just make sure that they are truthful on their returns. Don't lie. How about just don't cheat on your tax returns? But this, of course, misses the point. I do not cheat on my tax return, and I never have. I don't lie either. But I'm still terrified of the IRS. Why? Because the process of being audited, especially in person, which this funding will increase, is an absolute nightmare. It's costly. It's stressful. It's invasive. It's time-consuming. It's easily manipulated by rogue political actors. And it is all of those things, even if the saga concludes with a nice letter from them saying to you that everything is in order after all. They still put you through hell. And most of the time through a very, very expensive bill that you are going to have to use to hire some tax agency, tax audit agency, or lawyer to represent you in. Even if you did nothing wrong. One suspects that in, many, in, in, in any other circumstances, this would be intuitively obvious. Suppose that somehow tomorrow, the FBI, not the IRS, but the FBI announced that it intended to begin auditing millions of people to find out if they had committed any federal crimes. Because that's what an audit is for the IRS. They don't know if you've committed any crimes, but they're just going to dig inside your life to see if you committed any tax crimes without any just cause whatsoever. So suppose, this is what Charles W. Cook writes, that the FBI announced it intended to begin auditing millions of people to find out if you had committed any federal crimes. Would Markowitz and fellow demon rats respond to this news by shrugging and saying, just don't lie, and if you haven't broken any laws, who cares? I suspect people would not say that's okay, and they'd be absolutely right to decline to do so. The federal government is extremely powerful, and having it snoop around your life is distressing and scary even when you've done nothing wrong. In what other circumstances would Markowitz's implication hold water? I'm not a domestic abuser. Should I therefore not care if the government wants to put cameras around my house to see if I'm committing any domestic abuse? 
I haven't murdered anyone. Should I therefore not care if the local police wants to open a homicide investigation into me to look inside my life to see if I've ever been in a situation where a murder happened and I was nearby to find out if I might be implicated in it? The idea of that is totalitarian. And that's exactly what the IRS, with this massive new budget of $80 billion going toward 87,000 new agents to climb inside the lives, the personal, professional, and financial lives of innocent middle-class taxpayers. That's what it is. We're coming to look inside your home to see if you have committed any crimes. We're coming to look inside your finances to see if you've made a mistake, even if it wasn't intentional, but made a mistake on a previous tax filing. It is totalitarian, and the left just guaranteed it's happening. Joe Biden signed that piece of trash with a smile on his dentured face. That is totalitarian. Charles W. Cook is spot on. I'm going to ask Jim or Jack Windsor about that coming up. Uh, at 1110. I'm going to talk to him about a whole lot of other things as well. And I welcome your thoughts too. 216-901-0945, Leave a message for me if you can't wait on hold during an interview or newscast on my webpage, alwayswrite.us. Click the sound off button. Record your uh, message for this show uh, into the microphone for that. Click send. It'll come right to me and I'll play it on the radio as we continue. Always Write Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. It is every bit of that. Hour number three underway now, nine minutes past 11 o'clock. It's a Wednesday, 17th morning, eighth month, year of our Lord, 2022. So we have been guest-free thus far today, and I think uh, we kind of had to be, uh, because we didn't want to overcrowd it and uh, take anything away from the one guest that we do have, who is... uh, a show all unto himself. He is our regular Wednesday news commentator on All Matters Ohio and maybe even beyond. He is, of course, the founder of the Ohio Press Network, Mr. Jack Windsor, back with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Jack Windsor. Good morning, my friend. How are you? 
Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's great to be back with you and the WHK family. Thanks for choosing me today. You, you betcha. Jack, in addition to being the founder of the Ohio Press Network, he is also our Statehouse Correspondent for AM 1420 The Answer. Correspondent, excuse me, on AM 1420 The Answer. And there's a lot of state stuff that we do want to talk about, Jack, but just um, real quick, two things happened yesterday that were, I think were important enough to ask your opinion on because they will affect Ohioans, even though they didn't necessarily happen in Ohio. In Washington, Joe Biden took a... Uh, a, a vacation from his vacation and came back to work for five hours, just long enough to go and sign a ridiculous monstrosity tax and spend bill, uh, $740 billion, the Inflation Production Act, that's going to turn 87,000 new IRS agents loose on uh, the American middle class. And then, uh, meanwhile, in a state far, far away, all the way out there in Wyoming, the people of Wyoming delivered a 40-point MAGA beatdown of Liz Cheney for her extraordinary um lack of of um i don't know constitutional uh constitutional uh belief constitutional support legislation whatever you want to call it she has made it her mission not to do any work on behalf of her constituents or the people she's made it her mission to destroy donald trump um through the january 6th select committee and now she is hinting beyond that perhaps by running in 2024 on the republican ticket just to be a spoiler and destroy uh his credibility some more so your thoughts jack on those two lead stories on the national stage well i want to first correct myself uh i said last night that it looks like cheney would lose by three touchdowns a field goal and a safety i stand corrected it's five touchdowns a field goal and a safety that was that was monumental. I, I I thought it was bad when all summer long she was trailing by over twenty points. That's that's beyond a route. That that's what you were talking. That's your three touchdowns, field goal, safety. But but forty points, forty more than forty points, Jack. You're right. That's that's hard to fathom. Whether you're a sports fan it's or not, that's hard to fathom. Yeah, go ahead. It's a lot, and you know, um, I, I take it kind of with a grain of salt, and and kind of look at it as if, well, we expected this. It is Wyoming, and uh, I don't think, I mean, you know, Donald Trump is loved out there. So if you were to put Liz Cheney uh, in Ohio, it would be interesting to see how that would have played out. I think it still would have been bad. But uh, certainly uh, the margin of victory, uh, when you consider the scuttlebutt was Democrats were crossing over, requesting Republican primary ballots to try to prop her up, could it have been worse? So uh, I think she was going to lose. I think the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, or I guess we can't call that a raid now. We'll get tagged in the FBI system. <laughs> the FBI search and seizure uh, of Trump's estate probably fanned the flames, and uh, it, it was ugly in Wyoming. As far as Joe Biden, you know, my two cents, nothing has changed in my mind. Again, this is my opinion, not news, but I believe that, they're going to actually increase inflation. And no one has at all explained to me why 87,000 IRS agents need to be hired. Um, I think it's foolish to believe that they're being hired to go after people, uh, in Adam Schiff's words, who are taking advantage of these loopholes in the... By the way, if there is a loophole, that means people are legally utilizing the tax structure uh, to benefit themselves. so there's a lot wrong with that bill, in my opinion, from an economic vantage point and from uh, a freedom vantage point. 
Yeah, I completely concur. Um, you know, the worst part about it is, is you know, whether there's loopholes or not, um, the fact that they, is that that you know, millions of of Americans are going to have to endure audits who did nothing wrong. At the end of the audit process. They're going to get a letter saying, looks like everything's in order. Thanks for your cooperation. And meanwhile, they're going to have put, been put through weeks or months of hell, not to mention the expense of hiring a tax attorney to defend yourself against an audit or a tax uh, prepare, a preparation service or somebody who can handle audits. It's, it's, it's a nightmare. And I just read an uh, op-ed or portions of an op-ed in the National Review on this. It would be like, you know, hiring 87,000 new FBI agents who are saying, hey, we don't know that you've done anything wrong, but we're going to audit your life and find out if you have committed any federal crimes. We're going to look into where you go, what you do, uh, and we're going to see if you've committed any crimes. And if you haven't, what do you have to worry about? What are you worried? You know, if you haven't broken any laws, you should be fine with this. Well, it doesn't matter. If the federal government is coming in to probe inside your personal life and your professional life and your financial life just to see if you've done something wrong, um, that that just doesn't, that sounds totalitarian, doesn't it? It sure does. I talked to a VC insider last night. We had this discussion uh, specifically, and he surmised that, look, once the FBI has you in their sights, good luck. It, it, they have the ability to drum up whatever they want. And, hey, we've seen this movie before, right? Um, Lois Lerner, uh, people being unfairly targeted by the IRS, uh, parents at school board meeting. And by the way, I'm talking about more than the IRS. I'm talking about the Department of Justice. But what I'm really talking about is the entire swamp district in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're seeing it with uh, Beth POTUS, Donald Trump. So it's not unreasonable for people to be concerned and scared. And you know what? Maybe that's part of it. Maybe part of it is intimidation. Hey, fall in line or else. Um, now, is the or else carried out? I don't know, but I know that there are people still in jail um, from January 6th who are That's bankrupted. Right. I know that Donald Trump has probably paid $10, 20000000 million a year to represent himself or for legal representation, excuse me. So what? If you want to thrive and push back against the government and live in your God-given freedom, do you have to be a millionaire? If you want to run for president, do you have to be a billionaire? It's a big problem. We're talking to Jack Windsor. He is the uh, editor and the founder of the Ohio Press Network. He is also our State House correspondent for AM 1420, The Answer. Let's talk about some Ohio news now. Jack, I want to lead because you kind of have teased me here and you have whet my appetite, if you will, for information about the Ohio Department of Education, Ohio Department of Health surveys, and an upcoming story that you are going to be publishing in the Ohio Press Network. What do you want to let us know? Uh, The Ohio Press Network has started investigating a letter that we received that appears to be from the Ohio Department of Education, Ohio Department of Health, Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. The letter deals with the Ohio Health Youth Environments Survey. The acronym is OHYES, O-H-Y-E-S, exclamation. Now, in the letter from Department of Education Superintendent Stephanie Siddons, Department of Health Director Bruce Vanderhoff, and Lori Chris at the Department of Mental and addiction services, public officials are promoting the free, voluntary, and web-based survey for students in grades 7 through 12. That letter seems to be intended for superintendents and school officials throughout the Buckeye State. Now, the letter states that school leaders are going to benefit from this survey, and here's how. They're going to identify mental health needs and environmental challenges among students 
They're going to be able to tailor positive behavioral interventions in mental health supports. Here's an interesting one. They're going to advance school culture and climate goals. They're going to make strategic use of student wellness and success funds. And they're going to be able to partner with local mental health and health organizations to improve student health. The letter contains a link to a sample survey. Now, when you're ready, I can read you some of the questions from that sample survey. If you're I, I, want you to, I do want you to do that, and I am ready, except to ask once again, or not once again, but to ask this. The survey is intended for students? Yes, the survey. So there's a letter that we're in receipt of that appears to be intended for superintendents and school right. officials. That letter explains this survey that's intended for students in grades 7 through 12. Now, it touts the survey as being voluntary and free and only taking about 35 minutes, and it's web-based. Is it, also, the, is it also anonymous? Does it say that, or do students who choose to take it have to put their names on it? We're looking into that. Uh, it okay. appears to be anonymous. The one challenge, um, kind of, I'll get to the, the, the bottom of this, and then we'll go back into the middle, but if you go to that uh, OES website, um, which is, let me get that, ohyes.ohio.gov, and you mouse over the resources section of the site or the results section of the site, you can see there's public ac- there's a public access database, public access reports, database access for superintendents and principals. So my assumption is that this information gets aggregated, but it's very evident that that information is stored, and it's stored and accessed for purposes such as we just read, strategic decisions, Got so it. on okay. and so forth. So the letter that you're in receipt of is to the superintendents basically telling them from the Ohio Department of Education Department of Health, this is what we want to give you and we want you to give to your students, and even though it can't be mandatory. It. Okay, so now let's get to what some of the interesting questions are in the survey. Which of the following best describes you, heterosexual, gay or lesbian, bisexual, I describe my sexual identity some other way. I'm not sure about my sexual identity. I don't know what that question is asking. You could stop right there, Jack. And I would. <laughs> that's it. I mean, it that's it. Better. I mean, that's all I needed to hear. I mean, honestly and truly, because, and I'm going to do this, and, and I hate, you know, being repetitive and redundant, and other people have pointed this out, but any other adult who asked that question of any child in any circumstance is probably looking for a black eye from a parent or a lawsuit or a call to the police. Why are who in the hell are you, and why are you asking my kid about his sexual preference? It's a child. I mean, honestly, that is remarkable to me that the Ohio Department of Health and the ODE Department of Education would, would, would do that. I mean, what business is it of theirs? What business, business is that of anybody's other than the kid? And maybe, maybe if the kid chooses to discuss such things with his parents. That's it. Sorry. I, uh, I mean, I'm done after that question. I do want to hear the others, but that's enough for me. Go ahead. I'll give you a couple others. Let me add to what you just said, though. I talked to another Ohioan who has a pulse on what's going on in education and has a deep concern, just as you do, on these matters. He said something really interesting to me. He said, you know, if we have anyone uh, close to our neighborhood move in who is tagged and labeled in our criminal justice system as a sexual predator, tier one, tier two, tier three, whatever, we get a letter. And he said, you know, I look at those letters and... Every single one of them lists a section of the Ohio Revised Code 
that makes it a violation to do what you just said, Bob. If somebody were to do this on the corner and talk to our kids that way or send information um, such as this, uh, they could absolutely be arrested in this gentleman's uh, viewpoint. Um, but we, but I digress there. So a couple that's, of the other that's, questions. That's a great. That's a great point that person made uh, to you. That's a very, very good, valid point. Uh, go ahead, continue. Um, and, and by the way, I'm just going to add some commentary here. How many sexual abuse cases are filed across the country um, by students against teachers on an annual basis? So we kind of have to stop pretending like school is the absolute safe haven. But again, I digress. Um, during the uh, past three months. Hold on a second. Hold on a second, because you just opened up another can of worms, Jack, and I think it's very, very good that you did. This is, of course, not to impugn all teachers, just because there have been, no. I'm sure, radio hosts and, and newspaper writers and editors and you know things like that who have all done terrible things, too. Don't get me wrong. But, yes, the number of abuse cases, sexual and otherwise, of teachers to students is significant enough that it would make one wonder why a teacher wants to know about a child's sexual proclivities. Um, because if they want to know a minor sexual proclivities, it might be for personal knowledge. It might be for, you know, this might be a person that I, that I want to talk to and pay more attention to, uh, and, and, and spend a little bit more time tutoring after school. And if you understand my meaning, and I'm, again, this is not to impugn all teachers at all, but this is a legitimate question. Why do teachers need to know about the sexual habits or identities or proclivities or, uh, you know, preferences of young people? That's that's a very valid point you just raised. Go ahead. So a couple of the other questions in that vein. Uh, have you ever had sexual intercourse during the past three months? How many people did you have sexual intercourse with? What? Did you drink alcohol or use drugs before you had sexual intercourse last time? The last time you had sexual intercourse, did you or your partner use a condom? The last time you had sexual intercourse, what one method did you or your partner use to prevent pregnancy? So um, those are, I mean, that's just a smattering. Um, how wrong do you, do your friends feel it would be for you to smoke marijuana? If you attempted suicide in the past 12 months, did any attempt result in injury, poisoning, or overdose that had to be treated by a doctor or a nurse? So uh, these are the types of questions. Uh, obviously, we picked out the ones that uh, are maybe a little bit more alarming, uh, but they are uh, scattered in with other questions. And the answers to those questions, apparently, are going to be recorded and uh, warehoused somewhere uh, for people to track and look at and uh, make strategic decisions about our education system. How long is that survey? How many more questions are there total? Uh, let me take a look here, Bob. That's a great question. I want to say it was like 120 questions. Okay. Or so, so. so, so probably fair to say that it's a small percentage of them that are that graphic and that uh, alarming, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that doesn't matter, by the way, because if one of them was asked, any one of those to me would be enough for me to be, if I'm a parent and this was sent to my kid, I would be at a board meeting or in a superintendent's office with uh, smoke coming out of my ears immediately. Uh, so it doesn't have to be a small percentage. It if, it, if it's even one, it's too many. Now, here's my question is, what do they hope to gain from this? What does the Department of Health and the Department of Education hope to gain from this? Because you just said it's from seventh through 12, uh, seventh grade through 12th graders. Now, I taught seventh grade for six years, and I, can t and I taught high school, actually, for one year before uh, uh, moving into radio. 
And I can tell you one thing that is just immutably true, particularly among the boys. They see anything with the word sex in it, the clown show begins. They are going to answer those questions with as funny of responses as they can possibly think of just to screw with the system because it's what they do. They'll probably get on FaceTime with each other and say, let's take it together, and you put this and I'll put that, and so on and so forth. We're talking about immature kids, which is the reason why, by the way, we cannot go act with permanency uh, on the identities or the phases or whatever that immature kids go through in terms of blockers or surgeries or uh, uh, what what uh, you know other people call gender affirming care, which end up being devastating for so many of these kids who are just going through phases. But what so so the question remains: What I started there with Jack is what do they hope to learn from this with a bunch of kids who can anonymously answer these any way they want? Well, look. I'm going to give you two answers, and I don't know that learning is, is necessarily the end goal. We just went through two years uh, of the state's COVID response where we had all kinds of data that was published to a website, and we couldn't agree on what that information stated and certainly couldn't agree on the policies that should have been made from that information. So it, to me, becomes um, an arrow in the quiver of people trying to fire you know, public policy suggestions. It wasn't long ago, I think it was Senator Josh Hawley in a Senate hearing was talking to a Biden appointed attorney um, about transgender issues. And if you remember that exchange, I think you may have seen it, we may have talked about it. Uh, He was asking questions about whether a, a male could have a baby or not have a baby and immediately was met with defensiveness and essentially said that he was spewing hate rhetoric and that his type of questioning was going to increase the suicide level that was already prevalent uh, among students that identified as transgender. So it becomes a, a data mining exercise in my mind. Now, the letter would say to you that it helps make strategic uh, use of student wellness funds and partner with mental health organizations, uh, but it also says things like advanced school culture and climate goals. What does that mean? Uh, and why is my why is my child, a, you know, a cog in that? Why, why is my child's information becoming part of what seems to be a political operation in our public schools? Those are all very, very good questions that deserve answers that I suspect we're never going to get. Um, but it is, it is voluntary. Uh, it is uh, not something the kids have to do, but I'm very, very curious, as you just said, about what the goals are. And maybe the answer isn't to learn anything, but maybe the answer is to develop new policies and, and um, directives that are, that are going to potentially negatively impact students. Uh, crazy story. Jack Windsor is the um, uh, editor and the founder of the Ohio um, uh, Press Network. Jack, I know you've also got a story coming on Blystone, the latest on the hat, uh, so we're looking forward to that. He faces some legal troubles after the uh, his failed run for the uh, GOP nod in the primary for the governor's race, so we'll look forward to that. Uh, keep up the great work on the Ohio Press Network. Thanks for the update on this, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day. Thank you, Jack. Jack Windsor joining us. It's 1130 almost. Coming up to news here. We've got time for a couple of phone calls on the other side. If you want to respond to anything you just heard, we'll take them. On Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on The Answer. 
It is 11.40, so we got just about five minutes left before I ask Bill O'Reilly to take it to the top of the hour and hand it off to Charlie Kirk and hand that off to Dennis Prager and hand that off to Dr. G and hand that off to uh, Cudler, or to uh, uh, Seculo and then hand that off to uh, Officer Tatum. Just, you know, if you got the radio on today at all, you might as well have it on something worthwhile. And that's right here. On AM 1420, The Answer. Let's go to the phones. Uh, by the way, thanks to Jack Windsor. If you missed the interview with Jack Windsor, some astounding stuff that we discussed. It'll be up and loaded uh, within an hour or so after the radio program on alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Uh, Cheryl is in Wycliffe. Hi, Cheryl. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, okay. Um, I spoke, we spoke before about these surveys for children. Mm-hmm. Those questions were by far about the sex. The, the sex questions were on a survey back in 2001 given by Search Institute um, um, for, for uh, why 156 questions, none of your business questions, uh, posed on the children to be taken this time around um jack had said this is voluntary now how is it voluntary and are the parents allowed to see the survey before their children decide they want to take that survey and and uh jamie calendar state representative jamie calendar also sits on the state board of education and he knew about that survey back in 2001, and he's very familiar with me. Now, parents should be outraged by this because if it's starting in a school in southern Ohio, it's coming to a school near you in all counties. Well, the fact that it was distributed by the Ohio Department of Education and the Ohio Department of Health, I guess combined, according to what Jack said, uh, it would indicate, yeah, it's going to be distributed all over the state. It's going to be that down. It's not just going to be there. That just might be the first one to receive it or the first one that, uh, you know, went to a reporter and and wanted to expose this. But it's probably in the hands of, in the hands of all Ohio superintendents by now. Well, parents should be should be outraged now i'm a grandparent now but when my kids took that uh uh, attitudes and behaviors survey that's exactly what it was called in 2001 and and don't be surprised if the u.s department of education has their hands involved in this also people need to do their homework thanks for the time bob and have a blessed weekend thank you yeah, and I, I concur with everything, and thank you for the call. I, pr- I concur with everything you just said. Parents should not just be outraged. They have to be active. You know, it's funny. I, 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 I don't talk about this enough, to be frank. Um, local activism is the answer to so many of the issues we discuss on this program. It's why I uh, am a member of Citizens for Free Speech, for example, it teaches local activism. Now, CFFS focus, focuses almost exclusively on First Amendment violations and First Amendment threats and so forth. Um, but you can expand that to many other things, including this. Now, I would argue that presenting this to superintendents and telling them to give it to their kids and then telling that uh, the kids that it's voluntary 
um, is is kind of masking the real issue here, masking their real intent here. They're going to be told it's voluntary, but they're going to be encouraged to, to respond to this. And no, they're not going to let parents know ahead of time. That's the whole point. They want to know, what do you identify as? And then later they will say, do your parents know? And if they don't, you want us to keep it from them. That's happening in schools all over this country. And it is absolutely a step toward full-on indoctrination into deviant lifestyles. I wish I had more time to break it down now, but uh, great call, Cheryl. I appreciate that. We'll talk more tomorrow. Thanks, everyone, for being a part of it today. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.